Good morning and welcome to Overeaters Anonymous, a Vision for You Big Book Study. My name is Julie R. from California and I am a recovered compulsive overeater. Today is Wednesday, April 6th, and we will be reading from the Big Book on page 50, the third paragraph starting with On One Proposition, through the second paragraph ending with They Present a Powerful Reason Why One Should Have Faith. The first paragraph will be read for context. Comments will be focused on the second paragraph. Our readers today are H. Rachel W. and Bella G. The reference number for Tuesday, April 5th, is 8629. Overeaters Anonymous is the fellowship of individuals who, through shared experience, strength, and hope, are recovering from compulsive overeating. We welcome everyone who wants to stop eating compulsively. There are no dues or fees for members. We are self-supporting through our own contributions, neither soliciting nor accepting outside donations. OA is not affiliated with any public or private organization, political movement, ideology, or religious doctrine. We take no position on outside issues. Our primary purpose is to abstain from compulsive eating and compulsive food behaviors and to carry the message of recovery through the 12 steps of OA to those who still suffer. OA's fifth tradition states, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. At a Vision for You Big Book study, our message is that people who suffer from compulsive overeating can recover through abstinence and the practice of the 12 steps and the 12 traditions of Overeaters Anonymous. I will now ask Deanna B. to read the 12 steps. Thank you. This is Deanna B., recovered compulsive overeater from the Chicago area. The 12 steps. One, we admitted we were powerless over food, that our lives had become unmanageable. Two, came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. Three, made a decision to turn our will and our lives over to the care of God as we understood him. Four, made a searching and fearless moral inventory of ourselves. Five, admitted to God, to ourselves, and to another human being the exact nature of our wrongs. Six, we're entirely ready to have God remove all these defects of character. Seven, humbly asked him to remove our shortcomings. Eight, made a list of all persons we had harmed and became willing to make amends to them all. Nine, made direct amends to such people wherever possible, except when to do so would injure them or others. Ten, continued to take personal inventory and when we were wrong, promptly admitted it. Eleven, sought through prayer and meditation to improve our conscious contact with God as we understood him, praying only for knowledge of his will for us and the power to carry that out. Twelve, having had a spiritual awakening as a result of these steps, We tried to carry this message to compulsive overeaters and to practice these principles in all our affairs. Thank you. Thank you. I will now ask Janice M. to read the 12 traditions. Well, thank you. And my name is Janice M. And I am a grateful, recovered, compulsive overeater. These are the 12 traditions of Overeaters Anonymous. One, our common welfare should come first. 
personal recovery depends upon OA unity. Two, for our group purpose, there is but one loving, um, I'm sorry, but there is but one ultimate authority, a loving God as he may express himself in our group conscience. Our leaders are but trusted servants. They do not govern. The only requirement for OA membership is a desire to stop eating compulsively. Each group, um, I'm sorry, um, this is beeping. I don't know if it's my phone, but I'm sorry. Four, four. Each group should be autonomous except in matters affecting other groups or OA as a whole. Five, each group has but one primary purpose. That's to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. Six, an OA group ought never endorse, finance, or lend the OA name to any related facility or outside enterprise, lest problems of money, property, and prestige divert us from our primary purpose. Seven, every OA group ought to be fully self-supporting, declining outside contributions. Eight, Overeaters Anonymous should remain forever non-professional, but our service centers may employ special workers. Nine, OA as such ought never be organized, but we may create service boards or committees directly responsible to those who serve. Overeaters Anonymous, this is 10, Overeaters Anonymous has no opinion on outside issues, Hence, the OA name ought never be drawn into public controversy. 11, our public relations policy is based on attraction rather than promotion. We need always maintain personal anonymity at the level of press, radio, films, television, and other public media of communication. And 12, anonymity is the spiritual foundation of all these traditions ever reminding us to place principles before personalities and I pass. Thank you, Janice M. How our meeting works. Our meeting focuses on the directions for recovery described in the Big Book of Alcoholics Anonymous. We read a paragraph or two from the literature, then stop and share on what was read. Anyone can share, but we ask that you keep your sharing to the topic and literature we are discussing and that you keep your share to approximately three minutes. Singleness of purpose reminds us to identify as compulsive overeaters only. Our abstinence requirement for moderators is one year and for readers is six months. There is no abstinence requirement for sharing on topic. This meeting does request that your sharing be directly linked to what was read. We are sharing what the directions in the dig book mean to us. To share, press star one to unmute. Once you are done sharing, let us know by saying pass. Then press star one to mute your phone. In order to have a quiet meeting, everyone's phone, except the speakers, should be muted. Today, we resume our study of the big book on page 50, paragraph three. And I will ask Rachel W. to begin and to read through why one should have faith. Thank you. Thank you, Julie. Thank you for your service. This is Rachel W., Recovered Compulsive Overeater, calling from New York. On one proposition, however, these men and women are strikingly agreed. Every one of them has gained access to and believes in a power greater than himself, 
This power has, in each case, accomplished the miraculous, the humanly impossible. A celebrated American statesman put it, let's look at the record. Here are thousands of men and women, worldly indeed. They flatly declare that since they have come to believe in a power greater than themselves, to take a certain attitude toward that power, and to do certain simple things, there has been a revolutionary change in their way of living and thinking. In the face of collapse and despair, in the face of the total failure of their human resources, they found that a new power, peace, happiness, and sense of direction flowed into them. This happened soon after they wholeheartedly met a few simple requirements. Once confused and baffled by the seemingly futility, seeming futility of existence, they show the underlying reasons why they were making heavy going of life. Leaving aside the drink question, they tell why living was so unsatisfactory. They show how the change came over them. When many hundreds of people are able to say that the consciousness of the presence of God is today the most important fact of their lives, they present a powerful reason why one should have faith. So um, this is Rachel, and I, I'd really like to share on this. This is uh, the second paragraph where it says um, at the beginning, they flatly declare that um, since they have come to believe in a power greater than themselves, to take a certain attitude toward that power and to do certain simple things, um, you know, that, that attitude that um, I had to change was that I, I thought I knew everything and um, and that, you know, I, I, it had to be that I had to replace my old way of thinking with an entirely new way of thinking. And a, a huge part of that for me and a tool that I, I use very often is a set-aside prayer that um, I had to, to understand that, you know, I just didn't know. And I had to continually, I have to continually be asking God for, a new experience and a new way of 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 uh, of react of of thinking and and reacting and um just enlarging that experience with God that to understand that I don't understand and that I don't know and um, very often I will I will say you know God please just help me set aside what I think I know for an entirely new experience and and then towards the end of the second paragraph where it says. Um, when many hundreds of people are able to say that the consciousness of the presence of God is today the most important fact of their lives. Um, you know, there's times nowadays where I have to ask myself, you know, is this worth my serenity? Like, is this worth, is it, is it worth me losing my serenity for? And um, I have to, I have to keep that in mind that the, that the presence of God has to be the most important fact of my life, because if it's not, I will, I will be back into the food and I will be, binging and I will be a maniac and um, as long as I keep that that as this focus in the center of of my life today then I then it's a it's a reassurance that I won't go back into my disease and um, the fact that so many people have done it and are doing it um, show me that it's possible for me as well so thank you Thank you, Rachel W. And I'd like to remind everyone par- the first paragraph was read for context only in our shares will be focused on the paragraph with here are thousands of men and women. And who would like to share on this paragraph? Charles. Tina S. Okay, hold on. Charles. Tina. Nessa R. Kim J. I got Kim. Paula Lynn S. Nessa R. I got Nessa. 
Lynn S. Paula D. And I got you, Paula. All right, we're going to uh, start off with this right now, so that will get us going. So Charles H., go ahead. Thank you, Julie, for your service. Charles H., a recovered compulsive overeater just for today. Um, so I just want to drill and swoop down here. Here are thousands of men and women, worldly indeed. And I want to quote what my sister Chelsea always says. Um, in, in, in spiritual experiences, rule, willingness, honesty, and open-mindedness. Am I willing to be honest and open every single day? Meaning that, you know, some, just my thoughts, you know, how I character assassinate people. You know, every day I'm not honest about it, but I could tell you I took the day off yesterday and I spent the day with my wife, and I was judging. I was like, why are you watching Jerry Springer and all this stuff? You know, people like the hype. I used to like it. But, <laughs> you know, I, I, you know, I took a, a, a certain attitude, um, and there's been a revolutionary change in, in the way of living and thinking. You know, I, I got to stop that stuff, and I put that on a 10 step every single day. Sometimes, you know, I get phone calls, or sometimes I make phone calls. Sometimes I call my sponsor, I'll be like, yeah, this dude get on my nerves. You know, and I respect that. You know what I mean? And I tell him, because you know why? I don't want to be willing, I don't want to be honest, and I don't want to be open minded. I didn't want, I mean, open minded. I, I just want to do things my way. But but how it works, um, the bridge between the second and third step says, first of all, I got to quit. I got to stop playing God. It ain't my way ain't work. So, you know, can I believe and trust? Like, all right, suppose I ain't go to, the, um, the, you know, the, the, our first ever convention. I trust your voices because I can't see you. I trust this, this meeting. I trust, I trust if. I take a certain attitude, you know, which which means go through the steps on a daily basis. Watch out for the people that said, I've been through the steps. What you doing today? Right? Um, then I'll have a revolutionary change in my life. And, you know, people of faith, if I set aside the fact, a preconceived notion that the word faith makes people bristle, oh, they must be religious again. And, nah. Imagine life without faith. There'll be no reason to call into this meeting or start your own meetings or 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 turn your food over to somebody. With that, I pass. Thank you, Jules. Thank you, Charles H. And I'll just let everybody know the um, order. It's going to be Tina, Renata, Kim, Nessa, Paula, and Lynn. So, Tina, you are next. And if you could please tell me the initial of your last name. Thanks, Julie. Tina S. Compulsive Eater, anorexic in Florida. Wow. A lot packed in these two paragraphs. Uh, and what a wonderful thing. You know, it talks about they flatly declare, emphatically state, you know, that since, you know, from one time to another, that they believed in a power greater than themselves. Once I got access, you know, not before, but once I got access, and I could start right where I was, and I love that. I, I just say that over and over for myself. And, you know, there was a revolutionary, major, sudden impact in my way of living and thinking. My life and my will, you know, sounds like some third step stuff, you know, a new power, peace and happiness, you know, and a sense of direction flowed into me, you know, wow, wow, some powerful stuff, you know, and it's, you know, and it happened, you know, wholeheartedly, you know, wholeheartedly, entirely, 
You know, when I met a few simple requirements. I love this, you know. Uh, not prior to, but when. You know, and those are the 12 steps. You know, and I love what's said. It's simple but not easy. But what I also know is it's certainly doable. You know, and today, like was just said, you know, I have a life now in my wildest dreams one day at a time. What am I doing today? You know, and um, I just love this stuff. So uh, with that, I'll pass. Thanks. Thank you, Tina H. And Renata G. Star one to unmute, Renata. Maybe we'll go to Kim G next, and then Renata can come after Kim. How about that? Kim G, can you go next? Good morning. Can you hear me now? Oh, sorry. Oh, okay. <laughs> go ahead, Renata. I'm so sorry. Sorry, Kim. Um, thank you so much for your service. Uh, good morning, family. This is Renata G, Recovered Compulsive Reading, New York. And um, what jumped out at me this morning in this paragraph is, you know, it talks about different realities here. And so, you know, I want to pose this to the newcomer or someone in relapse. Like, you know, maybe turn these statements here into questions and see if they apply. You know, for example... That was that was my reality and disease, you know. Um, do I live in collapse and despair, you know? Uh, have I experienced total failure of my human resources? Did I used to live baffled with the seemingly futility of my existence? Yes, 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 yes. You know, and then there are some promises here. You know, it says that all of this would be transformed into you know, power, peace, happiness, and sense of direction. Do I want that? Yes. That's what I wanted. You know, and then it tells me how how to get it, how it, it you know, how it happened for the thousands of, thousands of men and women that wrote this book. Uh, I mean, they were recovered, not that wrote the book. And so, you know, it talks about how I need to have a certain attitude towards a, a higher power. And like the speaker shared yesterday, the reader, uh, that to me also means being open-minded and having the humility to admit that my way didn't work, you know, that I need help. And um, it also says that um, we need to do a certain simple thing, you know, the steps. And it says to do, that means action doesn't mean to think about it, to analyze it, to uh, figure it out. I just need to take action. And those actions are going to change the way I live. They're going to change the way I think. You know, I don't even, like I read something with someone yesterday on on There is a Solution uh, on page 25, and it says none of us likes the, the, the process. I don't even have to like it. I don't have to believe. I don't have to do anything. I just need to take the actions that are presented to me. And when it talks about, you know, simple requirements, and of course they're talking about the steps, but it made me think about the requirements that Bill mentioned on page 13. 
you know, belief in a power greater than myself. And that to me translates into anything that is more powerful than me. And it's not human, anything. And it could be even the power of the steps. Plus enough willingness, you know, willingness to take action, to do the work, honesty, honesty to admit that I've tried everything that I know of and it didn't work and I'm a real compulsive reader and I'm doomed without a spiritual solution. And the humility to say, you know, I'm out of ideas. I need help. I lack the power that I need. And so, you know, that's all I want to share today. Thank you. Thank you, Renata G. And Kim G., you're next. Good morning, Julie. Good morning, all. My name is Kim G., and I'm a recovered compulsive overeater from South Jersey. You know, and I love when Bill kind of summarizes the steps in like a paragraph or a sentence. And I see that in this paragraph. It says, they flatly declare that since they have come to believe in a power greater than themselves, step two, to take a certain attitude towards that power, which is step three, which Charles put simply, I've got to quit playing God because God is the the father, I am the child, to um, to take a certain attitude, to do certain simple things, which is steps four through nine, there has been a revolutionary change in their way of living and thinking, which is steps 10, 11, and 12. And then it says this happened soon after they met a a wholehearted, met a few simple requirements. Sorry, I'm tongue-tied this morning. And and this this really hits me because what I, I am the person, I don't know if you're like me, but I'm the kind of person that wants the results and then maybe I'll do some actions. Give me the degree, maybe I'm going to take some classes. And I think back to five years ago when I broke my ankle really bad and I was told by the doctor it's going to take one year to get back, to if, if I could get better and if I'd be able to walk again, it's, but it's going to take me a full year. And I would go back to the doctor after a month and go, why am I better yet? And he would say, because I told you it's going to take a year. You have to do the physical therapy. You have to do what I'm saying. And I, I would roll my eyes. And then I'd go back a month later and go, why aren't I better yet? And he would go, because it's going to take a year. You have to do the physical therapy. You have to work through the pain. And I do that every single month. And you know what? After that year, after I did everything he told me to do, I was recovered. I was able to walk. I walk without a limp today. And that's what I do, and that's what I, I did in the steps, and that's what I hear people do. Why don't I feel better? Because you're in step one. Why don't I feel better? Because you're in step two. And it's letting us know here we have to get through all the steps. You know, a common question we get on the line and I get from people is, well, if I, when I put the food down, what, what can I do to help keep the food down? And what I hear is, what can I do besides the steps to stay abstinent? And if you're a compulsive reader of my type, there's nothing you can do to, to keep the food down on, on, except the steps. Maybe on a short-term basis, we can give you some tips to help keep the food down. But if you want to have contented sobriety, the only thing we have to offer is these steps. And you will only get that neutrality around the food once you complete the steps, there are promises after many of the steps, but the promise of neutrality comes at step 10. So I'm just going to end. If, if you are newly abstinent and you are not working the steps and you were restless, irritable, discontent, and crawling out of your own skin, welcome to your disease. Welcome to what your life is going to be like if you do not work the steps. But if you do, you will find freedom at the end of step 12. And with that, I pass.
Thank you, Kim G. Nessa R., you're next. Hi, good morning, Vision for You. This is Nessa R., a recovered compulsive overeater in Toronto, Canada. I've been talking to so many people lately who are struggling. Um, and the, um, you know, the, the reason they tell me they're struggling is because life is just so hard. They cannot um, get abstinent or, um, or stay abstinent. And, you know, the reason why life is so unsatisfactory is not because of our circumstances. It's because we don't know how to cope with life. Uh, and we definitely don't know how to cope with life eating. And, you know, it's not only because the financial situation is tight or, you know, we cannot find a, car, a parking spot at the mall or anything like that. Because I know that there were times in my life when I had a lot of money and a lot of friends and a job that I loved and I was thin and I had beautiful clothes and I, you know, I had a lot of fun. And yet, that was the time in my life where I did, when I did the sickest things I've ever done um, with food. And so I know it is not life circumstances that enables one to be abstinent and recovered or, or the opposite, not be abstinent and recovered. And, and this promise tells me exactly that. It tells me that in the face of collapse and despair, I will have a way of getting through it without having to compulsively overeat. Um, that despite of the collapse and despair, my life can be satisfactory. But, you know, what is required of me to get there? You know, what is required of me is to work the steps, to go through abstinently one through nine, and then continue to work steps 10, 11, and 12 every day of my life, one day at a time for as long as I live. And then I will have a way of living that will make my life satisfactory. But the reasoning of I can't do it because my life is unsatisfactory, actually that is the very reason why we need to um, give this program all that we've got. And um, with that, I pass. Thank you. Thank you, Nessa R. And I'd like to remind everyone to please stay unmuted until you are ready to speak. Paula D., you're next. And thank you. And thank you for that reminder, too. I think we all need them. And thank you for your service today. This would be Paula D. Grateful. Grateful I am. Recovered I am also. Compulsive eater. And I, as we look at this paragraph, and whoa, boy, I'll tell you, this is a paragraph that uh, each time I read it, I say, wow, you want to talk about power pack. But it has, when you, there's a flow in the paragraph. They flatly declare, honey, there's no healing and there's no harming. Well, no, there is no wealth here. More than, they believe in a power greater than themselves. Greater than themselves. But I want to go down to, there has been a revolutionary, this is huge, in their change, in their way of living and thinking. For me, it was maybe, I'm going to put it clearly, it was my thinking that got me into the places I was. That's what happened with me. It was my thinking that became a feeling, and my feeling became an action, and there became my life. What had to change? Let's go to the beginning. It was a thinking that had to change. And then it says, the total failure. This is when I fell upward. 
the total failure. They found a new, not known before. Oh, I thought I had power and peace and happiness. Oh, I sat at the same beach as you did and watched as the waves went in and out. No, oh, I felt and sensed the peace. More than that. More than that. A sense of direction flowed into them. Now look at the word, how gentle. Flowed into them. Honey, I was pushing and I was struggling. No. And this is where it came to, and I love this part. Laying aside the drink question, well, that was the whole thing. Drink, drug, bite, oh, I don't care where you put it. But laying aside that question, finally, to know when the big book says it is but a symptom. And then it goes on. They tell a lot why living was so unsatisfactory. Of course it was, because it wasn't my way. Honey, I was on the tandem bike, but I was on the front seat. I thought I had the control. I would tell you where we were going to go. And then when I finally was on the back seat and control was taken out of my hands, and I just had the handlebars to hold on to, knowing full well who was in the front seat. And this is where I'd like to end, when many hundreds of people are able to say that the consciousness of the presence of God is today the most important the most important fact of their life. They present a powerful reason why one should have faith. Thank you for allowing me this time to share. And with that, I do pass. Thank you, Paula D. And Lynn S., you're next. Good morning. Excuse me, this is Lynn S. from Toronto, Canada. It's so hard to share after everybody's already shared the things that you wanted to say, but what is so interesting is when it's your own personal experience and these things really resonate with you, it, it's still so powerful. And there's a few paragraphs in the big book that, that do this, that lay out. Hold on one second. Um, can everybody check their line? It sounds like somebody is in the running water. Uh, if you could hit star one to make sure that you're muted. Go ahead, Lynn. Thank you. There's a few paragraphs in the big book where they just give me such hope, where they talk about what what life was like. Bill then illustrates the steps, what we have to do, and then what life can be like. And, And this is one of them, and it gives me such hope, especially the part where it talks about leaving aside the drink question, because for my whole life, that was the only question. That was the only thing that was wrong with me. I was really lucky when I came into program, I kind of had a, I got, I say I got zapped overnight and the food was down. It was just down. It wasn't an issue for me anymore. And I could see life and I could see how baffling and frustrated. I knew how baffling and frustrated I had been before I came into program. And I can remember in program standing there saying, I know I'm supposed to be reacting to this. I know I should have an answer, I should say something, but I have no idea what to think or to say or to do because anything that I ever did before always got me in trouble. But standing here not saying anything never got me in trouble. And I remember that because I honestly didn't know. I had no idea how to relate to life. In program, connecting with a power greater than myself that I choose to call God I did feel a sense of power, peace, happiness, and direction flowing in me that certainly I could never have grasped 
before. It was just unattainable. And, and now I know why. Now I know why. It's the sense of the process of putting the food down, which I'd done a hundred times, but then believing in something greater than myself, working the steps. And it was it's just amazing. And even now, you know, 26 years later, I can be amazed when I sit and talk with program friends and we see the grace of God. We always say, well, that's the grace of God because that's not me or that's the grace of God because that's not you. And it isn't. It's a new sense of power, peace, and direction flowing into us and from us it flows through us to others. And it's, it's an amazing program and this paragraph gives me such hope. And with that, I pass. Thank you, Lynn S. And who would else like to share on this paragraph? This is Larry H. I think that was Larry, which is very marbled. Who else? Blossom S. Melissa C. Blossom S. Melissa C. Nadia? D. D. Okay. Anyone else? Leah M. Leah? Amy? Amy, you're very garbled, so we'll have to see what happens. Okay. All right. Well, let's start off. Larry K. Can you hear me okay? Perfect now. Okay. Terrific. Well, I just want to chime in. I, I, you know, because it just really just pops off the page for me. You know, when it talks about the consciousness um, of the presence of God is the most important fact of their lives, you know, they present a powerful reason why one should have faith. And, um, you know, that's what I saw coming in, you know, coming in, I, I got here on a losing streak. You know, I, I, I was, uh, I was one messed up guy. Um, although, you know, perhaps, perhaps, um, I, I had a few people fooled along the way cause I looked pretty good on paper. I had a job, I had a car, I had a home, all those things, all those, you know, things that would suggest that things were okay. You know, but then I came in the room and I was really, really uh, came into the rooms and I was, um, my life was completely and utterly unmanageable. You know, I had been married twice, um, had been through, uh, you know, various relationships, um, had financial difficulties, had all sorts of, uh, of problems, um, anxiety, depression, all these things. And, you know, I thought I was a good dad. I, I would say I was a very attentive dad. Uh, very attentive, but as far as showing up and being consistent, no, um, emotionally detached oftentimes. So when I came in and I saw that for some of you, you know, just what this says, the consciousness of the presence of God is the most important, you, know, you stated it was the most important aspect of your lives today. And you came into the rooms just like me. So you, you, you said, and uh, yes, this presented a extraordinarily powerful reason why one should have faith, faith in a power greater than myself of my own understanding. And that was key, that it would be of my own understanding that you didn't say, look, you got to come in and have faith, Larry, and it's got to be this kind of faith. Let me, let me give you the, let me give you, show you the secret handshake and the secret type of God that we worship. No, you didn't tell me that. You told me that it had to be a power greater than myself. And, and you know what? We're talking about step two here. And yes, I came to believe over time. It was of the educational variety, my spiritual awakening. 
It didn't happen. It wasn't a flash. And I can tell you that when it did happen by working through these steps, when I got through step nine, I, you know, there was a transformation and it continues to unfold. And now, yes, the, the presence of God is the most important fact of my, my life today. Very grateful. Thank God for Alcoholics Anonymous. With that, I'll pass. Thanks. Thank you, Mary Kay. And Blossom S. You're up. Hi, this is Blossom S., compulsive, recovered compulsive overeater in Ohio. And again, um, I'm probably repeating a lot of what others have said, but this part that really struck out to me was in the face of collapse and despair, in the face of total failure of their human resources, they found that a new power, peace, happiness, and sense of direction flowed into them. And um, that is amazing to me because that's how I feel with this program. Um, When I was working um, the steps with my sponsor, I had so much um, calamity in my life and so many problems. And I just, um, I would have been struggling if I did not have a sponsor to guide me through. And I would have been struggling if I wasn't willing to do the steps Um, at one point. Um, my mother was very ill, and she was in the hospital, and I remember spending all day. Um, my brother had come down. I was exhausted. I didn't know what to do, and um, I, I was just worn out, and um, I came home that night, and my boyfriend started having blood flow out of him everywhere, so I had to rush him to the hospital. So um, over the course of three days, I was up and down at the same hospital, up and down each floor, trying to make sense of my life and what was going on. But through these steps, I was able to remain abstinent because I was able to work the steps, give it over to God, and not worry, not worry, and not, you know, and to realize that there was no, my human resources were not going to solve the problem. I had to turn it over to God. That's all I could do. And that's what's so amazing about this program. And now um, when I come to problems and issues and crises that arise in my life, as of course they always will and continue to do, I work since that. And again, that power, peace, happiness, flows into my life and gives me an amazing new way to live my life and gives me such joy and happiness. And without working the steps, and I have to be reminded sometimes, did you do a 10th step on that? And then when I do, it's just an amazingly beautiful way of living. And, and, and I just can't stress enough how, how glorious it is to live in that sense of purpose and life um, by working the steps and helping to change uh, a life that was filled, again, with calamity. And with that, I pass. Thank you, Blossom. And Melissa C., you're next. Hi, good morning. It's Melissa C., a recovered compulsive overeater in New York. And, um, you know, this kind of paragraph... um, used to scare the, the life out of me. Um, it would be something that I would read. I remember reading this, you know, years ago and um, and closing the book because um, I guess I wasn't beaten down enough. You know, I still, um, I didn't want to make a new essential focus to my life. Like, 
now some sort of power is going to have to, like, take over. Um, you know, that was back when I thought, hey, I'm just, I'm just a fat girl who has been screwed over by life. You know, I was, my heavy go at life was, um, I was, I was a victim. I was, you know, I had horrible, tragic things happen. I had hardships, and um, and it had nothing to do with me. You know, that was like my, um, my stubborn stance, and um, and that if things life were better, um, everything would be better. And and so, yeah, I needed a revolutionary change because um, my life today, you know. My higher power is the center. You know, I have nothing else um, without this connection. And, um, you know, and so collapse and despair, I needed to get there. I needed, you know, um, for me, I can't say, well, why didn't I get this sooner? Um, I didn't get it sooner because I wasn't done suffering. You know, I I needed a little more time out there with experimentation to realize that I needed a revolution. Um, and so my heavy go in life was, um, you know, was replaced by, I do have a part. I'm not, um, I'm not God, I'm not, you know, I'm not in charge of everything, but there are actions that I can take, you know, the steps of this program kind of helped me identify, continues to help me identify what is my part I'm not the great victim. You know, when my daughter doesn't put away the laundry as quickly as I want, um, there's a part of me in there. You know, it's not uh, for me. I have to do everything. And that was my old way of life. And, um, you know, and today I I have my higher power. I have um, peace, serenity, um, joy, purpose, um, and satisfaction. Thank you. With that, I'll pass. Thank you, Melissa C. And Nadia D., you're next. Good morning, everyone. Uh, thank you, Julie, for your service. This is Nadia B., grateful, recovered, compulsive reader in Connecticut. And uh, sometimes I like to replay the paragraphs backwards. And, you know, I really needed a reason. Uh, I um, had to have faith. And my reason, you know, was that I had this collapse and despair right in my face. <laughs> you know, my life was really unmanageable, unsatisfactory. I had everything to live for, but, um, you know, I couldn't live happily. And um, so, you know, I needed that revolutionary change um, in the way I lived and thought. Um, because, because you know, everything else that I tried didn't work. And, you know, all the human resources failed. All the diets, all the self-help books, um, everything else failed. So, you know, God was the last resort for me. And, um, you know, I love the sentence. They show how the change came over them. It doesn't say, you know, how they changed themselves. And so I don't have to discover the new world. You know, it's been done before me. So all I have to do is trust um, and have faith in this um, 
program. And, you know, um, actually, you know, steps 1 through 12 did revolutionize my thinking. And, um, you know, I am changed today as a result of working this step and living in 10, 11, and 12. And today, um, as a result of this work and this, you know, collapse and despair at the beginning, and, um, you know, today I can say that the consciousness of the presence of my higher power is the most important fact of my life. And therefore, my life is not unmanageable anymore. So, um, you know, I just want to encourage anyone that is just starting and seeing the unmanageability. We've all been there. It's been shown to us as well as can be shown to you how, um, you know, this change can come over you. And um, with that, I'll pass. Thank you, Nadia B. And Leah M., you're next. Thank you so much, Julie. Here are thousands of men and women, worldly indeed. You know, this is a very powerful uh, paragraph, and it is quite the message of hope. You know, these men and women who recovered um, are coming forward and making this declaration and they've recovered as a result of the program of recovery, and they've been given the power to help others. And, you know, it's that same dynamic and declaration that allows uh, for, you know, healthy groups, whether it's on the phone in a vision for you or in your local city or town, where men and women come together, people who have great diversity, you know, different backgrounds, young and old, different education levels, they come together uh, and they make this powerful statement um, that this has happened soon after they wholeheartedly met a few simple requirements. So they aren't saying that it just happened because they cried out to God, oh God, please relieve me of this addiction of this disease, and it magically happened. No, they are saying that, yes, there has been a revolutionary change in their lives, and it happened because they met a few requirements. Number one, they came to believe, or at least they were willing to believe in a power greater than themselves that could restore them to sanity. Number two, they were able to take a certain attitude towards that power, a willingness to embark on the program of recovery, to follow directions, to be willing to go to any lengths, uh, and number three, that to do a few simple things, and of course, those few simple things are the steps. Um, you know, I hope this is a message uh, that really, you know, touches everybody on this line. There is no limit to God's grace. Those who are recovered on this line aren't special. <laughs> we don't have any special credentials. We haven't been appointed by anybody, selected anybody by anybody. Uh, we followed directions. We followed the directions, and today we're able to say that the consciousness, the domination, the government of our minds, of the presence of God is today the most important fact of our lives. Isn't that incredible? 
<laughs> that that's incredible. That is the most important thing that has to dominate me today. It has to govern me today. Uh, whatever you know, whatever governs my mind, that's going to run my life. Um, and so, you know, I come here today because I don't want to die. I also came here today because I did not want to live in the way I once lived. You know, I lived in a way that was absent of quality of life. And yet the suffering, like this paragraph speaks about, the suffering was the invitation to a transformation. So I invite anybody on the line who's still in disease, come, (laughs) follow directions, get the results that we got. And with that, I pass. Thanks. Thank you, Leah. And Amy G., I believe you're next. Amy, star one to unmute. Hi. Oh, you're really garbled. Don't think we'll be able to hear you. Uh, maybe Amy can try after again. Um, is there another anybody else who would like to share? I'd like to share. This is Vasa. I need a J. Okay, that's probably all we'll have time for. So Vasa O, go ahead. Thank you, Julie. Good morning, everyone. I'm Vasa, grateful recover compulsive overeater, calling from Florida. And oh, I'm, everybody has said what I wanted to say. This almost like nothing to say. You've all have said it for me. But anyways, I'm just so grateful to be here and listen to all of you. And the most important thing today is my consciousness with my higher power, which I call God. You know, when I came years ago, I had the gift of desperation. And I remember hearing people that said they had a gift of desperation. I was saying, what kind of a gift is there to not to be eating those things um, that I wanted to eat? And uh, I, but I had the gift of des- desperation, and I was willing, and and I was to do whatever it took for me to uh, to stop eating. And uh, I remember my sponsor suggested, you know, she said the only thing would help you, Vas, if you just surrender to God and with the, the food and your life and you and your will, and God will help you. And I love the first sentence here: are thousands of men and women worldly in in worldly indeed they recovered and it gave me so much so much hope i said oh my goodness if i do what all these people are doing then i will recover and uh, for me it was a slow process i did surrender to the you know to my higher power which i call god and i did become abstinent but i'm not saying you know being abstinent the first day or two or three four days was easy you know it was very very difficult uh, not to run to the food when the emotions and feelings started coming up but again i'm thank i'm i thank god because i had the big book i could go through the read you know the doctor's opinion even though i was abstinent i wanted to eat so i'd read go back to doctor's opinion even if you're not in the food vessel if you you know this will get you back if you don't work the steps. So um, that was blessing for me. The food was just the beginning, you know. But how do I learn how to live my life without the food? I needed a direction. I needed revolutionary change, and that is that through the twelve steps. And yes, I got the gift of abstinence at the beginning, you know. But I and I was going to leave the program, and I kept on hearing, you know, if you don't work the 12 steps, you're going to go back into the food. 
and I was willing, and I wanted to go to, to any length to do the steps. In 30 years, I'm still here. Thank you, and I pass. Thank you, Bata O, and Anita J. Thank you. I wasn't sure you heard me or had time, but this is Anita J., a very grateful, recovered, compulsive reader from Massachusetts. I haven't talked about any of this this time around, and I've got to make the public declaration that, yes, the consciousness and the presence of God is the most important thing because after 30-something years of walking on like a parallel road to the God road, I could... I didn't realize it, but if I would have just surrendered totally, I wouldn't have to have been on this bumpy, pretend road uh, with a smile on my face, uh, waiting until I could get home and collapse and eat. I didn't have to do that. But you know what I did? Because I could not surrender totally. I could not face it. I think the world knew, I mean, people know, especially recovered people can tell if a person is is pretending. I was the last to know. Isn't that always the truth? We're the last to know. But I think I was the first to find out that I had a vast rearrangement sometime in the middle of July of uh, 2014. That's what I measure now, that recovery date, that recovered date, not my abstinence date, which is already passed. I cannot wait for this. But I can wait because a day at a time, I will just keep doing what I've been doing and keep this attitude of gratitude. And I don't have to fake it. It's welling up from inside, that bubbly if you've ever seen bubbly fizz, it's bubbling up. There's no fake it. Fake it till you make it okay. No, no more. And um, please, everybody, don't give up on yourselves. And uh, with that, I'll pass. Thank you, Anita J. And we have about uh, one minute left, so I thought I'd jump in there. What strikes me is they show how the change came over them when many hundreds of people are able to say the consciousness of presence of God is today the most important factor of their lives. But right before that, it says something for me which says it all. Leaving aside the drink question, they tell why living was so unsatisfactory. You know, abstinence alone is still insanity. It's those bedevilments, you know, was I prey to misery? Was I selfish? Was, you know, how did I interact with other people? And, yeah, being thin is awesome. I, I love it. But being thin and sick is, is just as bad. And so the bedevilment, you know, when I got to see those tick away, when I started trusting God more and realizing that God is the most important thing in my life. I mean, God and abstinence are kind of like on that same playing field. I can't have one without the other. But today, you know, I can say that, you know, most of the time, not all the time because I'm human, I will put God first. And if I don't, it'll happen real shortly after that because I'll be, you know, damaging something. So with that, I will pass. It is time to close the meeting.
Um, I want to thank everyone who shared. Please join us for a second unrecorded hour of study immediately following the closing. We will now close with the reading from the big book on page 164, followed by the serenity prayer. And will Bella G. please read A Vision for You? Our book is meant to be suggestive only. Thank you. Good morning. My name is Bella G. And I'm a thankful recovered compulsive overeater. Thank you, Julie, for doing this service. Our book is meant to be suggestive only. We realize we know only a little. God will constantly disclose more to you and to us. Ask him in your morning meditation what you can do each day for the man who is still sick. The answers will come if your own house is in order. But obviously, you cannot transmit something you haven't got. See to it that your relationship with him is right and great events will come to pass for you and countless others. This is the great fact for us. Abandon yourself to God as you understand God. Admit your faults to him and to your fellows. Clear away the wreckage of your past. Give freely of what you find and join us. We shall be with you in the fellowship of the Spirit, and you will surely meet some of us as you touch the road of happy destiny. May God bless you and keep you until then.